Are you committed or are you not? We'll look at that in our coaching tip for the week. And in our interview segment, we have Zanza Steinberg, a director, choreographer, performer, and photographer in New York City. We hope you enjoy the episode today. And remember, something powerful resides within you. I'm here to support you in seeing it and creating it. Are you committed or are you not? This is one of my favorite quotes from LeBron James. I remember hearing him say this and I thought, oh my gosh, what a brilliant leadership quote. Are you committed or are you not? This is something that I talk about with my clients all the time. Oftentimes my clients come to me and they say, I don't know, it just doesn't feel right. Or today I don't feel like doing X, Y, Z. Or I didn't feel like doing my practices from last week. Or I'm simply not feeling like I'm committed to this thing anymore. But what I notice about that conversation is it's all based in feelings. Remember, our feelings change like the wind. There's at any given point of any day, I probably have well over 2,000 different feelings. And if I lived my life based on how I feel, it would change every moment of every day. Could be potentially very confusing for somebody especially if you're relying only on feelings to lead the way. So one of the first things I do with some of my clients is get clear on what are you actually committed to in the world? So outside of something that feels good or bad, or any other feeling for that matter, what are you committed to? Now this often brings up some thoughts and feelings and body sensations for my clients because commitment is a loaded word for some people. Sometimes it sounds hard or a feeling of once I'm committed, I can't change my mind or I'm stuck. So some of the work that is the first thing to do is get really clear on what does commitment mean to you? What is your relationship to commitment? Once we break that down, we can see the commitment is actually access to something bigger for you. We simply have to start with reprogramming your relationship to commitment to be something you actually want. So here's an example. I know that I'm committed to my relationship. I know that I want to create a partnership with Aaron that is here every day. Now, some days I don't feel like being here. For all of those of you that are married, I'm sure you can relate to this. Some days you feel like it's the best decision you've made, and other days you're questioning why in the world you chose to stay with your partner. This is the perfect example of remaining committed to something outside of how you feel, because again, the feelings will come and go. They're normal, they're natural, they're human. And oftentimes they're signals for something that's going on. I like to use the metaphor of those mile markers when you're driving down a highway and you see the mile markers coming. They're just indicators of what's coming or where you're going or what's next. Those are how I relate to feelings. Mile markers on the road, the highway of life that are telling you where you're going and potentially what to watch out for but not changing what you're committed to or where the destination is. So again, getting to what you're actually committed to is the first step. What's the thing that you know you want that regardless of how you feel, you're going to remain committed to? And then ask yourself over and over, are you committed or are you not? (laughs) Because that's really the only question to be asking outside of how you feel. 
LeBron James represents so much of a leader to me. So I love, love, love this quote from him. And what I love about him is that he's committed. He's committed to being the best basketball player that there is out there, no matter how he feels or what team he's on or who he's playing with. You're either committed or you're not. I have with me the lovely Zanza Steinberg today. Um, She is very near and dear and special to my heart. She's a light worker in the world, an angel, um, full of so much power. And we're going to hear all about (laughs) why I think that in a second. She's a director. She's a choreographer, a performer, the artistic director of Alma, which we will hear a lot more about, and uh, recently created Media by Z. So welcome, Fanta, to being with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Well, let's just jump right in. Tell me a little bit about Alma, how it started, how you created it. Absolutely. So um, myself and the co-founder of Alma, Stephanie Brooks, founded Alma nine years ago now, which is wild because it feels like it was yesterday. And we are a not-for-profit dance company with strong philanthropic initiatives driving all of our creative work. That being said, we have spent the entire nine years transitioning into and refining what Alma is today. We have been many different things. And I do feel like that's kind of the beauty of Alma NYC. So we essentially created Alma as a safe space for dancers to connect with each other and play with maybe some new interesting choreography they hadn't experienced before. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's how it's like. There's seven of us. We're in a room we're playing with, with choreography and, and movement. Um, and Stephanie and I sat down and we were like, well, if we're going to do something, we should, uh, we should be pretty intentional with, with what it is we want to do. And so if we could do anything, what would it be? And, and we kind of both agreed that like the idea of creating a meaningful impact through movement and with the group of dancers that we have would be what we what we would want to do with our time um and so uh we kind of very quickly created this outreach extension of the company which is what we called it like it was a separate thing but anyway (laughs) nine years ago (laughs) and um what we said is you know we we provide this free class and this free outlet and a lot of times performance opportunities but what we ask is that you um volunteer at various organizations around new york city um and so we started working with like really powerhouse orgs, A-Step being one, um, Sing for Hope being uh, another. Um, and we learned so, so much from them. And of course, it got to a place where we were like, well, we want to create our own type of programming to facilitate these types of workshops as well, in addition to creating the work. And so, yeah, it's kind of transitioned from there. We have done a lot of different projects, let's say. <laughs> um, we, we've kind of remained a very explorative and collaborative creative like factory when we're inside the studio and we're creating work but in terms of of the outreach that we've done we've kind of dove into any project we've been like yes we want to help it's almost like almost taken us on the journey because we've been so eager to um learn about how we can impact uh new york city and beyond um and so yeah depending on if, if you know anything about alma depending on when you first engaged with us you probably have a different idea of what we primarily are focusing on but yeah i kind of love that <laughs> yeah because it's creative and generative and um every time i've spoken to you um in between fundraising events that you've done or anything you've presented it's grown tremendously like the vision yeah. keeps expanding and exactly and i think 
I think one of the most exciting things for myself is throughout the nine years, I've really uh, learned how small is so strong. Um, and what's been like one of the greatest pleasures for me is really um, dancers who have felt like they don't have much to offer um, and they don't know how to create big impact. And, you know, we've put a giant project forward and said, okay, we're actually going to fundraise to build a school in Burkina Faso, Africa. And they, they've done it. Like they've done that. It's not been a big donor. It's not been one singular big check. It's been lots of small acts from these individuals, from these artists. And um, they've created such a massive impact on what it's done. It's like mobilized an entire group of people. Um, and so that is what's really exciting to me um, in terms of, of when we've moved forward is uh, it's not a, hey, we want to do this. And then boom, what's the quickest, most efficient way to execute it? We're, we're really always thinking about how we can keep our demographic engaged and our community feeling like, you know, that's, it is entirely in their hands and, and big change is possible. Why do you think that's important as a leader of dancers and the world to, it just sounds like you foster so much in them that is their own leadership capabilities. So why is that important to you? That's a really great question. It's really just as simple as I, I see it and I want you to see that. Um, and I, I know the feeling of being super passionate about telling a story as, as a performer myself telling a story and um, getting, you know, the director's vision across. And I think that's a really, um, it, it's a really humble place to, to be in. But the possibility, if you are inclined, and if you would like to, is that you yourself have something to share, you yourself have a voice, you can create impact. And I think that you know, it's just as I've, as I've learned that for myself, I, I want to share it with, with anyone that I can, um, because I, I can see it. I can see the change that, um, individuals make. And I, I can see artistry that I want to really pour into and encourage. And I think because we're very used to getting a job done for somebody else's vision, particularly as dancers, that mm -hmm. isn't, um, that isn't something that's always available. Mm hmm. Man, I just, I, I get this image of you leading all these beautiful dancers that come in and must be, um, you know, I don't know if it's anything like the opera world, but, you know, scared, humbled, mm. wanting, looking to make a difference in the world. And then they meet you and they get a free space to have voice, which is incredible. The best thing that anyone actually ever told me, it was when I, I was kind of stepping into a project that I was really nervous about, like always. Just, just really feeling like the full imposter syndrome. I don't know if this is something I'm even capable of. You know, they ask me and I'm so excited, but I'm terrified. Um, and this is actually one of my dancers. She said, why, so why don't you just at the very beginning ask this group what their expectations are for the next two hours that you're with them? And my mind was like, whoa, hang on a second. <laughs> that is so simple, so effective. And so what I do now with these dancers that come into the room and we start a new season and maybe, you know, we have a couple of new dancers. We've got, a, we've got many dancers that have been with us for nine years, but everyone does have an expectation, whether they've thought about it like tremendously or they haven't. You do have this expectation in the back of your head as, of how things are going to go and what you'd like from it. And so just, just opening it up to that is really interesting, an interesting exchange of information, whether it happens, it doesn't happen but it offers an opportunity um, to, to be heard and maybe even have expectations set if that's not quite what we're doing yet. 
that's been a really great like starting point for any time I'm entering a room. I'm like, why not just ask what the expectations are today? So, and yeah, I can't take credit for it. A Beautiful. Well, do that. And I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it sounds like just being really clear at any team you lead, uh, what do you all want out of this from mm-hmm. collaboration together in partnership? Yeah. Yeah. So how does Kilimanjaro relate to your world of dancers? I want to hear this story. (laughs) Yes. Um, This is one of those things where I'm like, you know, depending on when you, (laughs) when you heard about Alma, um, because this was obviously like a a very large scale project for us. But uh, I think this was back in 2012, 2013, maybe. My friend, Megan Preston, who is such a powerhouse in, in this world of impactful dance um so the the organization that she had at the time was called awareness through dance i think they've changed to move the world now but anyway she's running uh, awareness through dance i'm running alma and we're just like on the same page it's just she's just been one of those friends throughout my entire life where we we just want to do the same thing and we're, we're continents apart but um <laughs> she's just really really incredible um and she called me up and she said hey i had this kind of wild idea this organization called Giving Africa is trying to build a school in Burkina Faso. Um, it has an incredibly high literacy rate um, in that country. And we are really invested in trying to build the school in this town. Are you interested? <laughs> it's like, ah, how? Yes, of course. But how, how are we, you know, doing this? And she's like, well, you can, we're, we're working on tons of stuff in London in terms of fundraising and uh, if you want to be, you know, if you kind of want to mobilize a team in, in New York, you can do that. But I'm kind of going to leave it to you. And so that was, that was really, truly a gift because it just seems like this monumental thing. And we were very young. I think almost, we were only a year and a half, two years old at that time. Mm. Um, you know, I created GIFT, um, which essentially is a masterclass series. Um, all the teachers that have ever taught for GIFT have completely donated their time incredibly generously. Um, and it's an affordable rate to work with a master teacher of that caliber for the dancers or even in artists, I should say, because there are various um, workshops that we've done in masterclasses. Um, and so what that, that was kind of our fundraising effort happening here. And again, the, the idea expands and she's like, we should, we should do something monu- like symbolic and monumental. And do you want to climb Kilimanjaro with us? Randomly. Do you just want to climb <laughs> Kilimanjaro? <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, because Megan's so brilliant, she was like, you know, the idea is that like dancers are athletes and, um, and, and this is a big, large scale project that we're trying to accomplish and we can do that and we can climb a mountain um, and that way, you know, we can actually fly and in, into Africa and do, do some work over there in advance of, of climbing Kilimanjaro. So this, this project that's like a small, sweet idea is growing. <laughs> and of course I'm a hundred percent there. And so, yeah, so that was, I think we spent probably four or five months creating, um, or running gift workshops and really just upping our fundraising efforts as much as possible. And then myself and Kelsey Emmett flew to the UK, met the whole UK team, learned about what they were doing there. Then from, from London, we all flew um, to Kenya. We spent some time there. Um, and then to Tanzania to, to attempt a summit for um, Kilimanjaro. Um, and, and we did successfully a team of, of 12 individuals uh, and all dancers summited. So, you know, it was, re- it was really incredible. Even when we were, you know, in Kenya, 
um, speaking to various individuals, they were like, oh, you're going to, you're going to climb Kilimanjaro. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like, um, with that. <laughs> yeah. And we were like, oh, we didn't even think about that. We've been so busy with everything else. This was like the afterthought. I was like, do I have boots? Do I have a backpack? Yeah, I think I'll be fine. Um, but I, again, it, it was such a, it was such an incredible, like personal experience for me to, to summit, um, Killy and, and with the team that we did. And, you know, anytime you do anything like that, it's like lasting friendships for the rest of your life. Um, but the more lasting impact was for me to be able to come back here and be like, this doesn't happen without this group of people. Like this just in no way happened if you hadn't come. And it's as simple as taking a vocal workshop with, you know, a casting director or, or whatnot. Like those, those small little seeds that were kind of sprinkled about for five months facilitated this monumental change. And so, uh, it's just, it, it, it just continued that way where the school was built and everyone in New York was like, so what now the school's built? So what now? Um, which is a really exciting and interesting question. And I was like, yeah, what now? So uh, <laughs> we, you know, we contacted the school and they were like, you know, there's, there's tons of ways you can help if you want to help. But that's, that's when we really kind of dove into the inequality of, um, access to education. Um, over there and how uh, the ratio of male to female students is, is just incredibly biased. And so we we continued using GIFT, um, which we'd set up originally for the construction of the school, um, now for a scholarship program for, for women to be able to attend the school. Um, and yeah, we had a couple of women go on to college and further education. And, and you know, of course, we're incredibly proud, but it, it, it's from dancers here making you know small change that they they probably are not thinking too hard about um and I try and constantly remind them so yeah that's that's the Kilimanjaro story (laughs) (laughs) well it's so good because I hear um just obviously lessons about resiliency and teamwork what I'm curious about is what has you like Z you're super courageous and you seem to just jump at anything that comes your way and say like okay sure let's figure that out I mean that seems to be your mentality and I'm so better for us. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> leaders, right, in the world. I, I think it's incredible. And I'm wondering, um, do you ever get afraid of jumping? And if you do, mm. what do you tell yourself in that moment that has you continue to build the things you've built? Yes, I mean, the answer is yes, all the time. And gosh, it's a really good question. I mean, it's a, it, this is a very British response, but if I'm being completely honest, it's get over it. Yeah, get over your shit. <laughs> Just get over it. Get yeah. over your shit, pull up your big girl pants, and let's do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's a thousand percent this, this very British like dry mentality of like, okay, no one cares. <laughs> you know, um, get out of your own way. Yeah. Uh, and so that really is it because there is, it is almost on the daily with every every project that I I come forward with. It's so easy to just slip into this, like I don't I, I don't know because it's it's my idea. So if it, you know it's so much on me. If if it doesn't work out and there'll be people disappointed and then you know it just all the way down. So I almost just say we'll get over all of that. And and if that happens, you are smart enough to deal with it when it does. If it does you know, the good out would most certainly outweigh the bad. <laughs> I love that. Get over it. It's not, yeah. it's not very inspirational. <laughs> no, but it is because I, I think some of the times that I work with my clients or people that are into moving through their fears, 
Mm-hmm. Um, there is a there is a moment of just like, what will you choose? What do you think that art provides people? So maybe people that aren't as connected to it or mm-hmm. uh, haven't experienced it as often as you and I have. You know, what yeah. do you think that it could provide them during this time? Mm-hmm. I I believe that all art is like the great connector. Um, and I, I hope that it is conversation. Like I, what I always hope to do with anything that I create is that it provokes a conversation in the lobby at intermission after you've left. Um, and I think that we need conversation more than ever and, and really to listen to one another um, and to honor someone else's experience being different than ours. That's where I, I do think dance in particular struggles because it isn't linear and it isn't it isn't musical theater where there's a story and there's a book. Mm. Um, it isn't a play where, you know, you're all experiencing the same thing. You could be watching, um, a piece of dance and, and be getting something completely different emotionally to the person next to you. Um, and, and that's what I think is really beautiful about, um, movement specifically. Um, and so I think that that is, that's what I always hope. Yes for this moment in time too. I hope that it encourages conversation and encourages listening and learning. Uh, but I, I also hope for that. Uh, that's always the goal for me. So that mm-hmm. hasn't even really changed specifically for this moment in time, I'd say. Yeah. And it sounds like, I mean, what I'm getting from just hearing you talk about it is how healing it is for me to even just watch mm-hmm. something like that and let go and not have it be about anything. I mean, that's oh what I gosh. love about watching. That you was, <laughs> You know. Thank you so much. They they are incredible. I adore them. But um, really, the live aspect too. I was just gonna say, I was at uh, I was walking through the park the other day, and I was like, there is a saxophone somewhere. <laughs> you're just like, hear there it. is a saxophone somewhere, and it is live, and let's find it right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I'm not the only one. I know I'm not. So I know that we're all craving this idea of like, oh, to see some, to hear music, to see someone move, to hear someone sing, like. We all, and especially living in in New York, that it makes up so much of this this city. And so, I know that we're we're all just also looking for that saxophone through Central Park. <laughs> I know it's so true. I think I went to my first live music performance in uh, almost nine months a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago, and I remember having the same experience where it's just like, oh, it's I'm just not. so nice to be in person and hear mm-hmm. it live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you get and you get that experience in person. It's not the same if you're if you're watching, you know, anything that's that's pre-recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is that I'm sat in a dark theater and I'm all of a sudden wherever you're taking me, and that and that that is live. So beautiful. What do you hope to disrupt in the world next? You're such a disruptor. I mean, anything I've ever attended of yours is like always has something to say. Like you said, invokes curiosity and conversations. You always have your hands in something that is supportive of growth of the, um, mm-hmm. not only the globe and the planet, but humans. So what do you want to say next through your work? I, and this could change. I, I think wh- where I am right now, and it's, it's probably slightly pandemic induced, is, is just why not? And I, I do feel like anything I have put forward, I am, I am always prepared when I walk into a room to pitch this idea or whatever it is, there is so many whys and I'm, I'm ready to fight for whatever it is that I'm fighting for. I, and I, I always say it's like the great interrogation. Like I'm ready to be completely interrogated on this idea or this programming um, effort or this, you know, this new concept. 
And so for where I am right now, it is just simply a why not. And and going from from that versus a why and why and why. And, I, you know, I, I can understand that as a, as a tactic, it's useful and it gets down to the crux of things and it it does, you know, that that type of interrogation can produce really great answers, um, but it it also just diminishes so much the idea and enthusiasm, and and then you start kind of out of depletion. So for me, my my goal is to show up, and my answer to that question is why not? What's what's already in there that you're concerned about? Because we're starting from then we we have this deficit mindset instead of this mindset of abundance and possibility. So I'm not sure if that's entirely asking you answering the question, but that's, that's, I think so, you know, what I've really been sitting with recently is just, you know, I don't want to walk into any more rooms and have to answer 25 wise. Yeah. Do you think that that's grown in you as you've gotten older or was there something that caused you to look at the why not more than the, all the reasons why this won't work? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a recent thing and uh, I, I really think it's simply that I, I started Alma really young mm. um, and I've just, you know, I've gotten to a place where I'm not okay anymore feeling like I have to, I have to fight for, for anything that I know that what I've put on the table has been successful in the past. It's, it's not, it's not being arrogant. It's just saying, you know, the, based on the track record, I've never put anything on the table that's like completely been a, a catastrophe. Yeah. Um, and so this idea of, of going from, from, being very risk averse is just not working for me anymore. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's, def- it's certainly a new mindset and, you know, these are all the, the grand ideas. And of course, when it comes to execution, <laughs> <laughs> I really hope that I'll stay this strong. Um, but, but it's just, it's just come from a, I know my shit now. Um, and it's, it's a really, it's a really nice place to be in. Um, again, I think, I think I've really arrived here because, we're at a standstill with what we can do. So now I'm like, oh, no more wasting time. It's kind of brilliant because I, I think I've learned the same lesson in in this pandemic myself is sort of like um, nothing is guaranteed anymore. Not that it ever was before, but I think that we we sort of, you know, lived that way that we could control different things coming into our space. And so for yeah. me, what I'm getting from what you're sharing is um, we don't know. We don't know what we got. So why don't you just try something. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Throw some things at the wall. Um, what would you tell the younger version of yourself? If anything, any advice from where you are now? Cause you seem so resolute. So what would I tell a younger myself? Yeah. That if, I, I don't know if you would have any advice for her or anything mm. that you'd go back and say, looking back now, and this is mainly just because there's, you know, there's younger versions of us out there right now watching this going, yeah, I want to say something cool and I don't know if I can. I think I would just say your intuition is right on. Mm. And it's not that I haven't, I, I, I actually am really kind of proud of my journey and, and the choices that I've made. But I think if I'd had this, you know, just little pat on the back that like, you're right, don't, don't spiral downwards. <laughs> you are right. Go for it. It would have, uh, it would have created a lot more freedom in a, in a younger Zanza. And I think that's what I would, what I would like to say that, you know, like I think a, a woman's intuition is so incredibly powerful and, uh, yeah, just follow it. Use it. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
yeah, I mean, it's a, there's a reason it's there. And I, I, I again, I, I feel like I've not been so limited by it because I've had that. But if, if I could say something, I'd be like, totally go for it. So I'd do it with more abandon, you know? That's amazing. <laughs> I've been asking all of my guests, if you had a megaphone and you could lead the world, what would you say? Mm. Do it all audaciously, I think. Do all of it just completely audaciously. Um, because we don't know what's next. Mm. Yeah. Don't wish you'd done it in 2019, like pre-pandemic. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I wish I'd gotten to that 20 mm-hmm. years before. Do it now and do it, do it audaciously. Yeah. Well, that's so good. Mm-hmm. Azanta, thanks for being with us. I mean, when you, you so much. I'm so honored. <laughs> incredible 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 we will put all this up for everyone to check out um all the things we mentioned but i'm just so honored that you would you would join us and thank you for being a light of possibility in the world thanks for being a badass stan thanks for saying stuff like do it now audacious